this is what we've been working for 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 the years that we were building the boat and the and the children and and saving money. So brave never came into it. It was let's get going, let's do this, let's experience this, let's let's have our kids have you know a, a life on a boat you know with us and see the world and and we don't want them to go up just knowing what's across the street or at the mall, you know. I mean you know, and that's what was important to us. Adventure Sports Podcast number 96, Sailing Around the World with Pam Wall, Part 2. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. So when you got back from the six and a half years, um, you managed to make a career, a lifelong career out of sailing, uh, consulting, lecturing. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I want to go into what it is you do currently, but lead us into it with what you did. I know you were at West Marine for quite a while and you were pretty much known as the go-to person for outfitting a sailboat uh, for cruising, right? Right. Well, what happened when we came home, Andy went right back into the rigging business. I mean, he had people lined up waiting for him to come home. So he had his own rigging company, which, of course, a rigger does everything from the deck up, you know, with the mast and and all the wires and everything. So he went right right back into his old business. And there was a company that we had heard of as we were sailing across the Pacific. It was unknown to us east of the Mississippi, but it was called West Marine. And Everybody out in the Pacific had a big West Marine catalog, you know, and gee, we thought this was a really cool place because everyone who needed something would, would call up West Marine from wherever they were, uh, you know, westward bound from from the, the west coast of the United States. And when we sailed home, uh, we found out that this company called West Marine that we'd never heard of before had just finished a store down in Miami, the first one east of the Mississippi, and that they were contemplating building a store right in Fort Lauderdale. So I went down to the store in Miami and, and asked about it and applied for a job there. And they said, well, this is this is great. Um, we are we're breaking ground for the new store in Fort Lauderdale in a month's time. And I went and I, <laughs> I interviewed with five men. And I'll never forget sitting in that interview room. Don't forget, this is like 1991, the end of 1991. And one of the things during the interview was uh, this list of multiplication, addition, division, and subtraction, okay? And these young men all finished within three minutes and walked out with their applications. And they had these funny little things that were kind of about eight inches by eight inches and flat. And and they walked out. And I, I wonder, how did they do that so fast? And there I am doing my long division. My multiplication, <laughs> you know, adding up the columns for the addition, subtracting and everything. And I finally went out, you know, it took me about 35 minutes because we had never seen while we were gone, we had never seen a calculator. Really? It was just the way you're used to doing it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you know, but this, this was the beginning of the electronic age. You know what I mean? 
And, right. and it was so funny. Yet of those five men, only one was hired and I was hired. <laughs> and um, I started out with what we did is while the store was being built, the people that had been hired helped with the building and helped with the, you know, getting the inside of it all uh, ready. I mean, we, we started working right away on the creation of the store. And then I was hired as a cashier and I was a cashier for about two months. And then I became the third assistant manager. And within a couple of weeks, I became the second assistant manager. And then I became the um, secondary assistant manager. And, and I never became the manager of the store because I didn't want to. I didn't want that job. I wanted to be on the floor selling. And um, after a year, um, I was promoted again, and I, I started taking care of international shipping from that store, and then I became West Brains uh, cruising consultant, and then later I became their outfitting manager. Uh, later, I started their Megiot division. Um, I mean, I, I went through a, a series of wonderful job descriptions for the 20-odd years that I was working for them, and um, when I left them, two and a half years ago, I just continued with my consulting and my outfitting, but from the comfort of my home. And it was a wonderful experience working for that company. It was just wonderful because they recognized the value of a person's ability, whatever that was, you know what I mean? And mine just happened to be uh, knowing equipment, uh, helping people buy the right equipment for their boats. And then, of course, uh, consulting with people when they're buying boats, uh, where to go, how to get there, what to find when you get there, if it was a place I had been. And it just morphed into the most, a job made to heaven for me because I never had one customer. I just had hundreds of friends. Yeah, very cool. You know, yeah, it was great. It cracks me up to think that you were a cashier at West Marine when you had just spent six and a half years traveling around the world on a boat. I mean, you had quite a bit of experience, yet you're still just doing cashiering until you can move up, obviously, but that's pretty funny. Well, I had to start, you know, they said, get your foot in the door, and I said, you right. have to be a cashier, and I said, uh, oh, yeah. that's what I want. You know, I started at $6.75, you know, to be a cashier, but they 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 were smart enough to recognize a person's ability if they had it, you know what I mean? Oh, and, yeah. And, and nurture it, too. I mean, they nurtured it. You know, and and that's that's why I um, I had such a good time there, and and also was able to create many different new job descriptions that they had never had before. So it, it was a wonderful marriage. And then then I started giving uh, seminars across the country. They sent me to all these stores all across the country where I would go and give a seminar on something, outfitting a boat for world cruising or cruising the Caribbean or the Atlantic Circle from Florida to Europe and back or crossing the Indian Ocean or, you know, whatever. And so um, I I loved giving these seminars because people were just like sponges. They wanted more information. And then I started going to all the boat shows on behalf of West Marine and giving seminars and lectures at all the boat shows. And that is that is really what I enjoy is is seeing 300 people in a room just lapping up everything I'm saying because they're excited about going someday, you know? Oh, yeah, that's got to be great. the same thing. And I just love it. As a matter of fact, this evening, as, as you know, I just came home from the Newport Boat Show up in 
beautiful Newport, Rhode Island, where the last four days, all I've been doing is, is giving seminars, which has been absolutely wonderful. But that's what I do at the boat shows. I still do it. Very cool. Well, good for you. It sounds like you, you just absolutely love it. And uh, I wish everybody could get out there and do what they love to earn an income. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, uh, West Marine still, even though I'm not working for West Marine, they still have been sponsoring me at these seminars um, because they like the fact that, you know, I can um, make sure that people remember to follow their dreams. And then once they follow their dreams, if they need something, you know, West Marine is going to be there for them. Who is it that should contact you? You have a consulting business and you, you talk at shows, but you also consult on a private basis too, right? Yes, yes, that is correct. I, I, I have my own uh, consulting, outfitting and you know, consulting business now. And if anyone wants to go to Facebook, they can look up Hamwall uh, Cruising and Outfitting Consultants. Or the best thing is really to go to my website, pamwall.com. It's just, just like it sounds, P-A-M-W-A-L-L.com. And I, I'm very active with blogs, you know, to give people hints and ideas of things to do. Sometimes it's a story. Sometimes it's a recipe. But most of the time it's about um, things to do on your own boat that I've learned over the years has made my life so much different, so much better. But I also consult with people. I I have a, a big conference table here uh, where people come to me, and um, sometimes we spend two days um, either helping them find a boat, sell a boat, purchase a boat, outfit a boat, determine where they're going to go, how they're going to get there. Um, I help them purchase things because I have... Uh, wonderful vendors who work with me. And then once they get going and they're out there and they need help, they know who to come to. I'm, I'm with them all the time. I'm here and I know them and I know their boats. And if they need something, I will react immediately. I am not, oh, very cool. you know, they're not just a number. So that's, that's what I've been doing um, since I started working by myself at home and having more free time to, to do what I want to do. That's great. Well, there's a ton to know if you're going to you know, set out and do this and to have somebody that has the, the background and experience that you have, to have them at your fingertips to be able to, to contact and, and ask the, the important questions. I mean, that's priceless. Absolutely. Well, I love it because I feel as though I'm helping other people and I'm sharing things that I'm passionate about and it should make it a lot uh, more fun and easy for them. And, uh, I'll tell you what, everybody I've met who I've consulted with has become my best friends and, and you know, we're, we correspond all the time and, and it's right. just wonderful. Uh, so I'm I'm very happy doing this, very happy. And of course, I'm still doing the seminars for West Marine. I do seminars for hospitals. I do seminars for elementary schools and high schools. Uh, uh, yacht clubs invite me to come and, and give seminars. And, you know, so it's not just for West Marine, but whomever it is wants me to give a lecture or a talk or even just a entertaining presentation. My website shows all the lectures I give and everything like that. So it's under seminars or something like that. So anyone can look it up and see what it is. Okay. So check out pamwall.com. It's P-A-M-W-A-L-L.com and find her on Facebook. Just look for Pam Wall.
For 20 years, Bent Gate Mountaineering has been outfitting climbers, skiers, backpackers, and outdoor enthusiasts with the gear they need. Whether climbing an 8,000-meter peak or buying your first backcountry ski setup, Bent Gate is here to help. Bent Gate is continuing to offer free BC 101 sessions this winter, teaching backcountry ski boot and binding setup, avi safety and beacon practice, clothing systems, and tips and tricks to make your days more enjoyable. If you don't own the gear, Bent Gate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment. Bent Gate also has free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a chance for hands-on experience. Be sure to check bentgate.com for our full product selection as well as updates on all these events. The Bearline Plus by 180 Tech is the handiest Bearline utility cord system you can find. This is not your typical Bearline. Our lightweight cord system is designed to be compact, lightweight, frictionless, and very versatile. Don't risk losing your dinner. Hang it the right way. The Bearline Plus is designed to suspend food between two trees up to 40 feet apart and 15 feet above the ground with much less effort than other Bearlines. Not only does the Bearline Plus keep your food away from bears, it is designed to be useful for many other needs including a motorcycle and ATV recovery system, tie-downs, straps, backpack repair, guy lines for tarp or tent, a tow line, block and tackle, and much, much more. Find your Bearline Plus at 180tech.com or retailers near you. I've just started a new job, which is so exciting for me. And I just wanted to let people know about it because there is a, a man whose name is Steve Dashu and his wife, Linda Dashu. And they are very well-known authors of sailing how-to books. And they also designed some sailboats um, several years ago called the um, Deerfoot, the Sun Deer, and the Beowulf, which were extremely fast ocean passage trade wind uh, vessels. And they've just started building some extremely functional powerboats in New Zealand. And uh, Steve Dashu called me up just, just a couple of weeks ago, and I am now working for him as his customer service representative. And all the boats that he builds, I'll be helping the new owner's outfit. And of course, help them, you know, by consulting with them about where they're going and how they're getting there. And I am flying to New Zealand in less than a month to go visit the facility where these boats are being built in New Zealand, which is the little town on the North Island of New Zealand called Whangarei, where would you believe we lived for the year that we were there when the two children went to school? Oh, no kidding. <laughs> Small world, right? I mean, it's like, full, you know, full circle is going to be the most wonderful, sentimental journey with uh, some people I really respect and and some really interesting boats. If anybody wants to go to uh, setsail.com, that's S-E-T-S-A-I-L.com, and read about Steve and Linda Dashu and what wonderful people they are and about these new fabulous powerboats that they're now designing and building, and of course the sailboats that they are so famous for, um, and some fabulous photography and fabulous videos because Steve is also a 
wonderful video photographer. So that that's just started, but that sounds like a fun opportunity. It is. It is wonderful. I'm. I'm looking. I'm so looking forward to it. Um. Yeah. So when you you branch out to uh, consulting on RVs, let me know. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> They're probably not too much different. <laughs> no, it isn't. But you know, the thing is about what I do, and Travis, this is the important thing. Um, the advice or suggestions or help that I give does not come from reading about it or hearing about it, you know, or any, it's from doing it. And that's why at this point I could never do that because if I haven't done it personally myself, how, how can I recommend it? Do you know what I mean? Right, There's no right. way. There's no way. Yeah. I'm not going to do it hearsay. I'm not. I'm going to be the one who has experienced it. That's what I'm going to Well, do. you don't need to. Your resume speaks for, for it for, for sure. Well, I'm going to con you into giving us a few tips then, because I'm sure we have a handful of listeners out there who are, have been dreaming about going and either sailing as a hobby or living aboard a sailboat all the way up to circumnavigating the world. Um, what are some good pointers you can share with us? Well, the, the, the main one for women, okay, is uh, and had someone you know, come to me and told me this. I would have been a much happy camper, but this is um, sort of my religious statement is everything I worried about while preparing to go never happened. And everything that happened, we took care of and felt good about. You can make this a chore and a stressful thing, but it's not going to do you any good at all once you get out there. What's going to do you good is that when you take care of things and you know you've done a good job. And I just want to stress to the women that don't worry about everything. You know, do what you have to do. Make it a challenge. And when you get out there, the most empowering thing of all is when you're going to find out that you can get something done when it needs to be done, whenever the occasion arises. And that's what you should focus on. Well, that's a very good tip. There was actually a news article recently about um, a survey of retirees, and you know, the survey was what was the uh, what was the one thing in life that you wish you hadn't done, uh-huh. and it was overwhelmingly the answer was I wish I wouldn't have been so worried and yep. stressed out about certain things. I wish I could have just let it go, and uh, exactly. I think that's excellent advice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can give you all kinds of other advice, but the the overall feeling that I have found, especially with women, is that they're so worried that they can't enjoy this, and and what they really need to do is, is just focus on um, getting as much knowledge as they can, you know, trying to get the right equipment, um, you know, knowing what's going to be safe and what isn't going to be safe, but not worrying about something that could never happen. Yeah, I think you need a, a healthy level of preparedness, but exactly. you can also over prepare at the same time, right? Well, yeah, I don't think you can over prepare ever. Well, but I mean, you in the can sense that you can take too much. And, yeah, but you could lie yeah. in bed sweating about it and, and getting worried and getting stressed and getting, you know, all uptight about it. And that's, that's what I don't want to see. Yeah, absolutely.
On August 1, 1999, Polly Litovsky left her Colorado home and headed west, traveling over 14,000 miles on foot, becoming the first woman to walk around the world. But it was never an easy road. Every day, Polly struggled with adversity that left her lost and miles off path. Her book, Three Miles Per Hour, The Adventure of One Woman's Walk Around the World, has won six national awards and is available on Amazon, Kindle, or her website for a signed copy. Visit www.3mphbook.com. That's www.3mileperhourbook.com. It's Tim Emmett. I'm a professional climber and wingsuit pilot. I really enjoy public speaking, and I've spoken at schools, events, and businesses all over the world. I believe that you can change the way you feel by changing what you think about and using lessons learned from a world in extreme sports. If you're looking for someone lively to brighten up your event and maybe expand your concept of possibility, send me an email to tim at timemmet.com. That's T-I-M at T-I-M-E-M-M-E-T-T dot C-O-M. Thanks a lot. guys and how do you see others manage the financial aspect of it sure there's the answer of hey you know they saved up a lot of money in retirement and they went but of course there's a lot of the younger generation that wants to go and earn money at the same time um anything there that you could uh you could share with people sure i i think the other bit of advice is to go as soon as you can go don't wait till you you feel as though you've done everything that you need to before you can go because you can always think of a reason not to get away from that dock. And the main reason that most people don't go is because they don't have enough finances. So what you've got to remember is when you leave here, uh, when, when you're getting ready to go, get the things you need, not that you necessarily want. And what will happen is if you get out there and you get out there sailing, um, as far as purchasing things, you'll find that some things are really something you do need instead of just want, and you'll find a lot of things that you want you don't need. You understand what I'm saying? Excellent point. Yes, excellent. You're talking about finances. What what I see happen is, is that people get bogged down in getting everything that they have at home, everything, onto a boat. And that's going to cost a lot of money. You're going to need a big boat. It's going to take tons of maintenance. <clears throat> and really what you need to do is start simple and then find out what you need and then get it as you can. Now, with us, sure, we, we stashed a lot of money, what we thought was a lot of money, you know, aside every paycheck that we got. And we knew when we left that we could have spent five more years saving money. Yeah. Okay. And Andy looked at me and said, I'm putting our list down. We don't need this stuff. We've got what, you know, you know, we've got to boil what we need. We just want this stuff. 
maybe we won't need it when we get out there. Let's go, let's go, let's go and see what we really, really need once we get going. And that's exactly what we did. And we, well, everybody has a different way of handling finances. We took cash. We did not rely on credit cards. We did not rely on American Express traveler's checks. We did not rely on uh, letters of credit. We hid cash all over the boat because the American dollar really speaks highly no matter where you are. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and we knew that we knew that. And we, we had done enough cruising in the Bahamas and the Caribbean, to know, everybody wants the American dollar. So I'm sure there's, there's money hidden all over my boat still to this day that I can't remember where we hit it. But, (laughs) you know, when we got to Tahiti, uh, which was just uh, less than a year after we left, we, we were offered some really good jobs there. And, uh, well, we weren't looking for them. What it did was it made us sit down and think, you know, this would be a really great place for our young children to go to school. And because the job was offered to us, we remained there. Uh, we got jobs there. And the greatest thing that happened was that we put our two children in school. And we never would have done that if we hadn't been offered these jobs. You know? How cool is that, right? And so we remained in Tahiti for a year with both of us working and both children going to to real school where they were speaking in French, um, you know, in in less than two weeks. Okay. And that's the way way to learn another language, you know. Yeah, right. And also to learn another culture. And um, that was a, a wonderful year, which helped us. Uh, sort of replenish what we had spent up until then and also give us the, the feeling that we were doing something really worthwhile for our children. And um, it was jobs that just fell into our laps. We did not seek them out. Um, Andy, Andy worked for a fine, fine cabinet-making shop. We just we met a friend while we were sailing. He lived in Tahiti. He came aboard the boat for dinner. He looked at the woodwork on the boat and said, who did this? And he said, I did it. He said, I want, to, I want you to start tomorrow. I need you. Okay. That's how that started. Uh, with me, I used to go shopping in the morning. And after I dropped the children off at school, because I'd walk them to school, and I, I kept going past this little dress shop where they made custom-made clothes out of the beautiful polio material, you know, that is made in French Polynesia. Mm-hmm. And I became pretty good friends with the uh, Chinoise, the Chinese man who owned it. His name was Frank Muguet, and Frank said, Pam, I'd, I'd like to learn English. Cause I, I, had already, I was very fortunate I could speak French because I went to school in Switzerland for a while. But uh, he asked me, would you come and I'll pay you to teach me how to speak English? So I got a job in this beautiful dress shop and <laughs> would go to him after I dropped the children off. So the two of us were earning money there uh, quietly on the side without telling anybody, and and it was a good year. It was a wonderful, wonderful year. We always lived aboard the boat. I want people to understand that you don't take enough money to um, be precarious with spending. You take, you what you do is you live within the means of what you've got. I mean, we didn't we didn't do crazy things like stay at marinas. We anchored out. Do you know what I mean? We. We didn't go out for dinner every night. You know, we 
we tried to conserve, but without uh, sacrificing anything great in our lives. And we lived within our means, and we never felt any kind of um, stress over that. Uh, What worries me is that people get out there and just start spending it unwisely because this is something new, um, and all of a sudden they realize they've been through a lot. And you just got to remember to live within the means of, of what you've got, and everyone is different, and no one should tell anyone else how to do it. It's just that the person personally should remember that this is part of the new life that they have created to be creative about how they either spend or earn um, the money that will keep them out there doing this wonderful, wonderful thing. So live within your means and let things fall into place as they may, because we often find that they do fall into place and they are the right thing for us at the right time. Right. And, you know, um, it, it, it is interesting because we never sought anything out, and, but it, 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 it happens and it will happen to others just like it happened to us. Okay. So before we wrap up, I want two quick stories if you could share them. One would be the coolest place that you guys had sailed to, and two would be a quick funny story if you have one. Oh, without doubt, without doubt, South Africa. And I'll tell you why. As as, as we were crossing the vast Indian Ocean, we, like everyone else, was bound for the Red Sea, which means you would not go anywhere near South Africa. And uh, this was in 1990. And the Gulf War broke out. And I am an avid ham radio operator. And I talked to my, my mom and my sister became ham radio operators just so that we could talk radio to radio whenever we wanted to. And over the radio, my mom would say, listen, I don't care if you and Andy want to go through the Red Sea, but you're not taking our grandchildren. so without having any of the proper charts or anything like that we made the the wise decision to stay out of harm's way and instead of going through the red sea to the mediterranean to go around uh madagascar and over around the cape of good hope which of course is africa cool and we had no preconceived ideas Okay, because we weren't going to go there, right? We weren't. But instead of turning right up the Red Sea, we continued westward over to Madagascar and South Africa. Well, let me tell you something. What a fabulous time we had there. We 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 hired a wreck. We rented a wreck. It was called a render wreck. It was 1967 Volkswagen microvan for 10 bucks a day, and we drove all over South Africa, going to the homelands, and of course, the magnificent parks there. And we saw what Walt Disney, you would think, would manufacture as far as the wildlife and the native life of Africa. And let me tell you something, it was incredible. It was incredible. This was the only time that we actually rented a car and drove as much as we could in this, in this Volkswagen van. And 
I said to the man who rented us the van because it was sold, what happens if it breaks down? And he said to me, lady, if it breaks down, I don't make any money. It's going to run. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we went at 35 miles an hour all over South Africa and, and over to Madagascar, which, of course, is so primitive, so primitive. And I want to tell you something. I think it it really did a tremendous amount to um, channel my children's life afterwards. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because of what they learned uh, from the cultures that just don't have what 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 we know is as normal today. Do you know what I mean? Just. Yep. I mean, Absolutely. we would go ashore in in Madagascar. And I would clean my garbage because these people wanted whatever was in my garbage and they would use it and they would want to trade lemur monkeys for my bags of garbage. (laughs) They probably taught you a few things about how things were usable. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, a match was the most valuable thing. You know, things like that. I mean, you know, uh, an empty Coke can, they could store something I mean, seriously, it was just unbelievable, unbelievable. But we all learned as a family. So, yes, I would say without a doubt, South Africa was my favorite place, my children's favorite place, Andy's favorite place. And as for, um, you know, a funny story, my favorite one is the Tooth Fairy story, which I think I've, (laughs) I've already sort of told you about, and it's actually, I wrote it up in my blogs and my website, if anybody wants to refer back to it, but um, we were in a race uh, from Darwin, Australia to Indonesia. It's about a 650-mile race, and uh, the wind is usually always on the beam, in other words, the side of the boat, and it's it's a pretty wild place, so the wind is is pretty strong, and there were about 150 boats entered in this race, uh, a lot of them families like us. And uh, in this race, you weren't allowed to use the self-steering bait. You had to have someone always steering. Well, my children were used to that because they've always had watches, steering watches from the moment we left Fort Lauderdale. So this was not something unusual for them. But they had raced before, you know, in amongst a whole bunch of other boats. And as we were racing from Darwin, Australia, up to uh, Ambon in Indonesia, uh, we had a wonderful watch system, two hours on, uh, six hours off, because there were four of us. So my children, um, every eight hours, had to have a two-hour watch at the helm, steering the boat, no matter how old they were, no matter how bad the weather was. And um, Jamie, my son Jamie, who was seven years old at the time, was relieving his father, who had been up for two hours, and it was midnight, and Jamie's watch was from midnight till two. And Andy, as he always did, said, now, Jamie, there's six boats, you know, you know, surrounding us. There's three over there to the beam, and there's one behind us, and there's two in front of us. And, you know, you just be careful. The wind is, you know, right now on the beam, oh, about 18 knots. If it gets up to 20, 22, you call me. We've got we've to put a reef in. Uh, here's your compass course, um, and here's the speed we're doing. And if it looks like it's going to get squally, give me a call. Uh, and I'll, I'll come up on deck and I'm going to go to sleep. And Jamie's going, yeah, Dad, yeah, I know. Okay, go ahead, go down below. I'm fine, I'm fine. So um, Andy went down below 
And he, he was just getting into his bunk when Jamie yelled, Hey, Dad, will you come up here? And so Andy went up really quickly into the cockpit. And Jamie said, Daddy, you've got to go open up the forward hatch, um, which is a great big hatch on the uh, front of our boat, the foredeck of our boat. And, and Andy said, Jamie, we're taking green water over the bow. I'm not going to open up the forward hatch. And, and Jamie started crying and said, but Daddy, you've got to open up the forward hatch. And, and Andy said, well, I'm not going to do it. And he went back down below. And he couldn't figure out why Jamie wanted the forward hatch open. And Jamie was up there crying. He was steering his course and being a good boy. But finally, Andy went up and said, for goodness sake, Jamie, why in the world do you want the forward hatch open? He said, because I lost a tooth and I put it under my pillow. And the tooth fairy will never come down the companionway hatch here because I'm sitting here in the cockpit. She'll have to come through the forward hatch to bring me my 25 cents. (laughs) And, you know, so... Here's a seven-year-old kid who has the full responsibility of racing a 40-foot sloop in really blustery weather, and he's telling his dad, go down below, I've got it under control, and he's crying because the tooth fairy can't get below. That's (laughs) awesome. How cute. (laughs) So Andy, is it Jamie? You don't remember Tinkerbell? Tinkerbell is the same size as a tooth fairy. And she can come down the deray vents. You know, these are the vents on the boat that allow fresh air in but no salt water. And she can come down the deray vents and pick up your tooth and leave the quarter. And Jamie said, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Oh, okay, Dad. Go ahead. Go back down to sleep. You know, um, yeah, go back to bed. Have Mom, you know, come up in two hours. And he was he was happy. So I just think that's, that's a wonderful great. story. That is great. Cute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's a child. That's how a child thinks who's brought up on a boat. I can, you know, I have all this responsibility. I know what to do, but I still believe in magic. Yep, I love that story. You know, so <laughs> I, I hope that inspires people to take take their children if they can, um, and and don't hesitate about bringing them as young as you can and and having them share with you uh, that kind of life. Yeah, I agree. That's some of the best part of the adventure was uh, is when you can see it through your your child's eyes as they get out there and explore themselves, and and you can share that with them. It, it makes it uh, wonderful for sure. Exactly. One other quick story. It's not really a story, but it's 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 something to remember. Uh, when we were in the Galapagos Islands, um, we were very fortunate to be able to stay there and go cruising, but we had to have a a guide from the Darwin Institute live aboard our boat uh, to make sure that, you know, we, we didn't hurt the flora and fauna whenever we went to the different islands, okay? And I, I can remember that if Andy and I had been alone, okay, without our children, we, we never would have explored those islands like the way we did because we wanted them to, to learn so much about the islands. And in turn, Andy and I learned so much more because we had the children and we yeah. did things to educate them. And in so doing, we educated ourselves in a way we never would have done without those children, never in a million years. So, you know, it's really fun to think that your children open your eyes and, and make you do things that you never would have done if it was just a single couple because you want them to to partake of this new adventure, 
uh, whereas you know you get kind of lazy and want to read a good book instead. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, I, I think so many times we we tend to take the shortcut as an adult because we don't allow ourselves to slow down like the kids want to slow down. They want to slow down and they want to pick the flower petal on the side of the trail. You know, right. they want to investigate this and that off the side of the trail. And we don't typically do that. They still have that youth and curiosity. You know, and the older you get, the more you lose the strength to follow that curiosity, whereas young kids have all this extra strength and, you know, energy to be curious, you know, and and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It absolutely is. Well, Pam, thanks so much for sharing these stories and your life's experience. I hope we've inspired people to go out, just just throw it down and go try it. You know, don't worry about it so much. Just go do it. You may only be here once on this earth, so you might as well make the best of it, right? Absolutely. And I encourage um, the listeners here, if they want to read more, to go to my website or my Facebook page, but mostly my website, and look at the photographs that are there. You told me you looked at the photographs. You'll get to know our family much better and to, and yep. to read the blogs. And uh, and if that doesn't inspire you, well, I'm not sure that much else will. <laughs> <laughs> I totally, I totally agree. I will get all of your links, your websites, everything that you've mentioned here on the show down in the show notes. So everybody can just go straight there and find all the links to find these wonderful and amazing experiences of Pam Wall. Pam, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Travis, thank you. I, I just would like to end really quickly by just reminding everybody, uh, if you don't follow your dreams, you're never going to have a dream come true. So thank you, Travis. This has been delightful. Perfect ending. Thank you very much. Would you like to be a guest on an upcoming show? Just go to adventuresportspodcast.com and click contact us. Also, take a minute and help us spread the word about the Adventure Sports Podcast. Do us a favor and go on to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. Everything helps. Thanks for being a listener. Listener.